Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. We put our trust in you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, if you could turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter number 10. Amen. And I want to draw our attention. Story concluding this chapter, beginning in verse number 46. Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse number 46. Thank you again to the praise team and musicians for sacrifice of being here. Amen. To make this service better. I promise you it's better than if I were the one singing and preaching and trying to play the instruments. So thank you to the musicians. Again, thank you to Brad for his continued, and it's not just the hour and a half of this service being broadcast, but multiplied hours. He's here throughout the week making sure that everything is up and running. And we're working on a new website that's almost completed. I know Brother Tyler Williams has taken the oversight on that. I want to thank Brother Tyler. Uh, the today, the digital bulletin that was put forth. Uh, Sister Khadijah, I know my daughter Riley Brooke, uh, Sister Monk, many involved in that process. I want to thank all of them for their continued work and their efforts. Amen. That we are doing things in a new way but we're still doing things with a great level of excellence and that is because we have great leadership, amen, that is continuing to plug forward and uh, move forward, amen. I know yesterday the Sunday school department, the Sunday school system, the teachers uh, went out, they had a little parade and they went around to all of the children and honked their horns and uh, let the kids know that they love them and they miss them. So it's just, it's not one leader, it's not one group of leaders, it's across the board, the leadership of this church that just continues to um, just over, um, what's the word, over, what is it, overachieve, that's the word, I made it more difficult than it was, just overachieve, thank you to the leaders that just continue to overachieve, overachieve even, amen, Mark chapter 10 verse 46, Mark 10 and 46, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with, with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And when he heard that it was Jesus, verse 48, and many charged him that he would hold his peace, but he cried the more, a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called to the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. 
verse 52, Jesus said unto Bartimaeus, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Amen. And I want to draw our attention to the beginning portion of this and a phrase within this beginning portion of this passage of Scripture, this first phrase there as we find in verse number 49 where it simply says, and Jesus stood still. And I want to preach on that thought this morning for just a few minutes, and Jesus stood still. I do want to announce, and I believe it was in the earlier uh, digital bulletin, that we are going to have another drive-in service. March 7, oh, no, not March, we're in May. Amen. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. I don't know what year. I don't know anything anymore. I just know I'm here right now. Uh, May 17th, two weeks from now, next Sunday is Mother's Day. And the Sunday after that, we're going to have another drive-in service. We have ordered shirts, and we're uh, asking that everybody will that got those shirts will wear them uh, for that particular service. So anyway, I know that I'm excited about the service in May, on May 17th, and I'm sure that you are as well. Look forward to seeing you guys again there on the 17th. And Jesus stood still. Mark chapter 10, verse number 46, tells us that Jesus, his disciples, and a great crowd are passing through Jericho. They've come to Jericho, they've come through Jericho, and now they're making their way out of Jericho. This account, according to the writing of Mark, tells us that as they make their way out of Jericho, that there they come across or they pass by a man sitting by the roadside begging. This man by the name of Bartimaeus. The Bible identifies the reason his name is Bartimaeus is because he is the son of Timaeus and that he is blind, sitting by the roadside blind and begging. And there it is that as they come by this particular portion of the roadway leading out of Jericho, the son of Timaeus, as Jesus begins passing by, he begins to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. I want to linger right there for just a moment. As you would visualize with me, Jesus, his disciples, and the crowd are leaving outside of the walls of Jericho, outside of the gates of Jericho, and as they begin to pass by this man named Bartimaeus, I want to linger there with that image in your mind of Jesus and a crowd passing by a blind man sitting by the roadway begging. Because I believe that we need to use this visual image to build some foundation as to understand the, the uh, greater understanding of the urgent cries of Bartimaeus. I pause here on this particular point on the road that is departing out of Jericho. And stretching toward Jerusalem. The Bible tells us that this particular road leading out of Jericho was a highway. And while that obviously did not mean for them what it means for us now, the principle was the same. I don't believe that there were four lanes on one side and four on the other. And the camels were in the middle lane and the donkeys were in the next lane. And the horses that were a little bit faster we're in the left lane passing everyone. I don't believe it was that, but the principle of what a highway is for us is the same for them, was the same for them as it is. A highway was a roadway that was intended for unimpeded travel. 
It was a roadway that was put there to make passage more quickly and more expedient. A road that pilgrims and travelers would journey on their passage to the holy city. You might remember in Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan. The Bible tells us in that particular passage, it was on this same stretch of road, this same highway stretching from Jericho to Jerusalem. The Bible says it was on this same passage, on this same highway, that a traveler fell among thieves. And those thieves stripped him of his raiment. They wounded him and they departed, the Bible says, leaving that traveler half dead. We would continue reading that story in Luke 10 and we would find a priest and then a Levite. They both move, if you would, into the passing lane. They get over on the far left side of the road and they pass by. Why? Because they're busy. They're on the move. They're in a hurry to get to Jerusalem because they're... They've got religious ceremonies to conduct and they've got religious ceremonies to observe because this is the highway. Either you run with the crowd or you get run over on the highway. And it's here in the particular passage of Mark chapter 10. This crowd that is leaving Jericho with Jesus, we would find if we continued our reading into the 11th chapter of Mark that this particular crowd that is right now leaving Jericho that they will accompany Jesus all the way to Bethany. This is the same crowd that as Jesus enters into Bethany and then into Jerusalem that they would shout on Palm Sunday, Hosanna, blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. This is the same crowd on the same day that will later enter into Bethany and then Jerusalem and Palm Sunday will begin. But right now they are just leaving Jericho. This crowd that is going to follow Jesus on this journey from Jericho to Bethany and approximately 15 mile journey that would begin some 800 feet below sea level before ending near Jerusalem at over a 3,000 foot uh, difference in elevation. They would walk, if you would, they would walk an incline from Jericho to Bethany of over 3,000 feet of ascension and elevation. It was a journey that in those days was estimated to take some five hours to travel. Uh, Amen. At least five hours of travel it would take to get from Jericho where they are beginning, uh, where the blind man is seated on the highway begging. uh, Amen. And where the crowd is gathered. uh, Amen. Fifteen miles, five hours of, of journey that is going to take place. Yet here in Mark chapter 10, where the crowd is just leaving Jericho with a long journey yet before them. You see, to the crowd that is pressing upon Jesus, this particular spot in the road is very insignificant. This particular spot in the road is just the beginning of their journey. They see no real importance of the moment that they are in. Why? Because they've still got five hours of time with Jesus. They've still got 15 miles to ask Jesus questions. They've still got five hours to touch the miracle worker. They've still got 15 hours to hear the masterful teaching of the great rabbi and the great I am. To them, this spot on the road is just another spot on the road. To them, this particular place as they leave Jericho is just another place. It's just a few steps in the journey of a thousand steps that will take them as they make their way with Jesus to Bethany. 
but to the blind man sitting on the roadside. This wasn't just another spot. This was the only spot. For Bartimaeus, this spot was more than just another spot. It was more than just a mile marker on the road to Jericho. This was Bartimaeus' spot on the road. This particular place as they left Jericho was the center of Bartimaeus' world. It's the place he came every day. It's the place he came to find sustenance and strength to survive. This place is how Bartimaeus made it from day to day. And this place on this day at this time would be the moment where his greatest moment of opportunity would soon be passing by. The crowd had 15 miles to wait. Had 15 miles to wait for it to be their turn to touch the master. 15 miles to wait their turn to ask him questions. 15 miles to wait to, to hear Jesus speak and talk to them. But to Bartimaeus, he did not have that luxury. This was it. This was his only moment. This was his only opportunity. If I don't get a hold of Jesus right now, I never will. If I don't touch Jesus right here, I never will. You see, walking with Jesus is okay for you when you got 15 miles. A walking Jesus is okay when you've got 15 miles, when you've got five hours. But when this moment is the only thing you've got, when this moment is the only thing I know that I've got, when this opportunity is the only chance I know that I've got, I need Jesus to stand still. I need Jesus to stop moving. I need Jesus not to pass me by. But I need Jesus to fix his attention on me. Because if I don't touch him now, I never will. If I don't touch him here, I never will. So I don't need a moving Jesus. I need Jesus to stop and stand still. Amen. And if we aren't careful on our journey, if we aren't careful on this journey in our walk with Jesus, we begin just out of the very definition of this walk with Jesus being a journey. It begins to create a climate of apathy. It begins to create a climate where we are passive. Where, where you know what, if I don't get what I need from Jesus today, it's no big deal. There's always next Sunday. If I don't hear what I need to hear from the Word of God today, it's no big deal. I'll just hear it tomorrow. I'll just get into the Word of God tomorrow. If I don't spend time in prayer with Him today, it's not a big deal because I've always got tomorrow. I've got 15 miles with Jesus. I've got five hours with Jesus. So if I don't get what I need right now, it's no big deal I've always got next I've always got tomorrow if I don't get in touch with Jesus this Sunday no problem there's always next Sunday if I don't find his way my way into his presence this week it's not that big of a deal Amen. If, if I'm too busy to linger in the altar and get in the presence of God, it's not that big of a deal, Pastor, because I've always got next Sunday. Uh, amen. This awareness, uh, amen, this is what breeds apathy. Uh, when we begin to believe that I've got 15 hours, I've got 15 miles, rather, I've got five hours with Jesus. Uh, so if I don't get what I need right now, it's not really that big of a deal. And it creates a climate of apathy within the church. Uh, but Bartimaeus, 
It wasn't like that for Bartimaeus. For Bartimaeus, I don't have the luxury of 15 miles. I don't have the luxury of five hours with Jesus. All I've got is this moment. And if I don't get what I need right now, I'm never going to get it. And this awareness is what breeds urgency in the house of God. This, This awareness is what breeds urgency in the heart of a child of God. You know what? I think if we didn't understand it before, we can understand it right now that Sunday is not guaranteed to us. Amen. Next Sunday is not guaranteed. It may be next Sunday that they shut down the live feed and you can't even hear me preach. I don't know. What I do know is I've got right now. What I do know is I've got this moment. What I do know is I've got this opportunity to give God praise. So I'm not going to wait for another moment. I'm going to get a hold of Jesus right now. It begins to create a sense of urgency. We need urgency in the church. Amen. The next time we come together, there ought to be a sense of urgency among us. There ought not be anybody standing back and saying, well, I'll dance next Sunday. I'll go to the altar next Sunday. No, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to do it this moment. I'm going to do it this day because this is the only moment that I know I've got. Apathy doesn't understand urgency. Apathy gets uncomfortable when urgency walks in the room. When Bartimaeus, when urgent Bartimaeus who realized if Jesus doesn't stop right here, if Jesus doesn't stop right now, I'll never get a touch from Jesus. If Jesus doesn't move right here and right now, I'll never get what I need from him. And when Bartimaeus began to be moved with urgency, the apathetic crowd began to get resistant with Bartimaeus. The apathetic crowd that said, we've still got 15 miles and five hours. They moved over to Bartimaeus and said, quiet down, because apathy can't handle urgency. Apathy gets un comfortable when urgency walks in the room. Apathy starts fidgeting when urgency shows up. I pray to God next time we come together, apathy is real uncomfortable in the house of God. Come on, right now, wherever you're at in your living room, right now in your home, I wish you'd give God some praise. If you need a choir to get you to give God praise, all you're doing is performing. If you need a praise team to encourage you to give God praise, then it's not really praise anyhow. I don't know about tomorrow, but what I do know is that I've got right now to raise my hands. I've got right now to lift my voice. I've got right now to magnify Jesus. Come on, somebody give the Lord praise right now. Let's let a certain sense of urgency begin to grow. I'm not going to wait until they I'm not going to wait until they open the doors to the church back up. I'm not going to wait until this virus is gone. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to bless the Lord right now. I'm going to praise his name right now. Come on, anybody need Jesus to stand still? Anybody need Jesus? Come on. I'm not willing to wait. I don't have that luxury. Some of you might be okay with a moving Jesus because you've still got 15 miles. I don't have that luxury. I need Jesus right now. I don't have that luxury. Jesus, I need you to stand still. I need you to stop moving, and I need you to fix your attention upon me. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, don't pass me by. 
Come on, we used to sing that old hymn though together. While on others thou art calling. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, do not pass me by. Savior, Savior, do not pass me by. Hallelujah. I need you to stand still, Jesus. I need you to stand still, Jesus. There's an urgency in my spirit. There's an urgency in my soul. I know, I know broadcast church ain't the same as live church, but Jesus is still the same. Jesus doesn't change whether it's Facebook or front row. Jesus doesn't change. If you have a need, he is the answer. If you have a need, he can supply it. Hallelujah. So touch me, Jesus. Speak to me, Jesus. Right now, Jesus. My family, Lord, my home. I need you to move right now, Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I think it's important that of the three Gospels that record this healing of the blind man, there is one account according to Matthew chapter 20. And let me just state that the difference in these accounts is not discrepancy. It's not that they're arguing with one another. It's simply perspective. Matthew chapter 20, though, tells of this same situation. But Matthew says there were two blind men. There were two blind men involved in this, this scenario. Two blind men sitting at this spot on the road. Two blind men sitting there begging. Two blind men that by the time the story was over, both of them had been healed. But the commentaries speak to Matthew chapter 20. They tell us that the reason most likely that Matthew talks about both of them while Mark, uh, specifically Mark, puts his focus on Bartimaeus. And again, they're saying it's not Mark and Matthew are not in a dispute about how many men were there. But Mark is drawn to Bartimaeus because Bartimaeus was the one making all the noise. The other guy was there and the other guy got a healing. The other guy started off as a blind beggar too. And by the time it was finished, he got his healing just as well. But it was Bartimaeus who was making all the noise. Amen. Here's the important part. One cries out, but both were healed. And I want to thank God for every Bartimaeus in my life. I want to thank God when I was too filled with fear to cry out, Bartimaeus cried out for me. I, I want to thank God there were Sundays when I was too distracted to praise God the way I should have, but thank you Bartimaeus for crying out anyhow because I got my healing because Bartimaeus wasn't afraid to cry out. When I was too distracted, Bartimaeus still cried out. When I was too fearful and too overwhelmed, Bartimaeus, thank you for crying out. Have you been there, child of God, in your walk with God, where you came to church and you had too much on your mind, but Brother Sylvia came skipping across the front of the church? I didn't feel like dancing, but thank you, Bartimaeus, for praising anyhow. And the presence of God came in the room. I think it'd be good right now to thank God for the Bartimaeus in your life. Thank God for the Bartimaeus in your world. That when I didn't even want to be there, thank you, preacher, for preaching to me anyhow. When I'd rather be any other place than in the house of God, thank you, praise team, for ushering in the presence of God anyhow. Because when Bartimaeus cries out, we both benefit. Amen. We get back together, you need to find yourself a seat next to the craziest worshiper in the church. Right now, you're naming names. Right now, you're visualizing who I'm talking about. 
That person only has so many square feet, so we all can't be around the same person. But I want to challenge you, get close to a Bartimaeus. Get close to somebody who's not afraid to cry out. Get close to somebody who's not on a 15-mile journey, on a five-hour journey. But get close to somebody who's got a sense of urgency in their spirit. Because when Bartimaeus cries out, the guy next to him gets healed too. When Bartimaeus gets alone with God, the guy next to him gets healed too. Thank you, Lord, for the Bartimaeus in my life. Thank you, Lord, for the church. Thank you for the body of Christ. There have been times when I just had enough strength to get here. But I walked out stronger because somebody praised God. And I benefit when you worship God. There may be times that my faith is strong and I'm the one crying out. There may be times that I'm weak and you're the one crying out. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 through 10 speak of this topic. I read from the New Living Translation. It says two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. That blind man sitting next to Bartimaeus would still have been a blind man if he wasn't sitting next to Bartimaeus. I would still be lost if it wasn't for a church. I would still be lost if it wasn't for a preacher. I would still be lost if it wasn't for a Mother Brown who prayed for me. I would still be lost if it wasn't for a Sister Bush who prayed for me. So I just want to take a moment right now and I want to invite you to do the same in your living room and thank God that you're a part of the church. I know we're not together physically right now, but we are still bound together. We are still the body of Christ. And Bartimaeus, when you cry out, I benefit. Hallelujah. And I want to take a moment this morning as the pastor of this church to cry out because I realize that there are many that are on the highway There are those today that you've already adjusted to what we're going through. There are many of you that like the crowd. You're moving forward. You're progressing. You've already adjusted to the craziness of what we're going through. But I want to cry out this morning for those that are stuck on the roadside. Those that mentally and emotionally you've not yet adjusted to what we're going through. I want to tell you I'm crying out on your behalf today because I've learned the principle. If I will cry out, you will benefit. If I will worship God, you will benefit and so I'm asking you I know physically I can't hear your prayer and physically I can't see your praise but all across this community right now I'm asking those of you that have moved on and you've adjusted will you cry out right now for the benefit of those that are stuck by the roadside those that are struggling with fear those that are struggling with anxiety I cry out today in the name of Jesus thou son of David have mercy on me Oh, Lord, not just on me, but on my brother. Not just on me, but on my sister. Hallelujah, that God, today your spirit would come and visit us. That your spirit would come and help us in our time of need. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. I feel the Spirit of God. Come on, Bartimaeus, lift up your voice. It's not just you, Bartimaeus. There's somebody sitting next to you. They might be too overwhelmed right now to praise and worship like they once did. But Bartimaeus, if you worship God like you can, you're both going to benefit. Hallelujah. Give God praise right now that he is worthy of. Hallelujah. I'm not going to preach a whole lot longer today. 
probably already preached longer than I anticipated. Likely longer than you anticipated. But I want to just very quickly look at a few elements of this passage surrounding this one statement that would forever change the world of Bartimaeus. This phrase, and Jesus stood still. Those four words frame the very essence of transformation in the life of Bartimaeus. Because before Jesus stood still, it was just a noisy crowd passing by. Before Jesus stood still, the crowd represented discouragement and opposition. When Bartimaeus begins crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says the crowd, the crowd, those that still had 15 miles left, those that still had five hours left with Jesus, those that could wait for next Sunday to get what they needed from God, those that had already adjusted to what they were going through and now they were going places with Jesus, to those who this was just another spot on the highway, the Bible says they turned to Bartimaeus and they charged him to hold his peace. Luke's account says they rebuked him. The Greek words used in both of those, whether it's charging him or rebuking him, those words used... The Greek words that would be used there to describe their opposition convey that they warned him forcefully. They became aggressive and threatening in their opposition to the cry of Bartimaeus. And before Jesus stands still, it's just another opportunity passing by. It's just another rebuke. It's just another voice of opposition. It's just another offset and backset and moving me away from what I know I need. But what was it that caused Jesus to stand still? Notice what Bartimaeus didn't say that caused Jesus to stop. It wasn't Bartimaeus saying, Jesus, I'm a beggar. It wasn't Bartimaeus saying, Jesus, I'm blind. It wasn't Bartimaeus yelling out louder, Jesus, I need help. Bartimaeus did not appeal to the master based upon his condition, his problem, or his plight. Bartimaeus did not appeal to the mercy of Jesus based upon his condition or his attributes. He appealed to the attributes of Jesus. It wasn't his plight that brought Jesus to a standstill. It wasn't his problem that caused Jesus to stop and stand still. It was not his lack of privilege that brought Jesus to a screeching halt. It wasn't how unfairly his circumstances were and how unfairly he was being treated. No, Bartimaeus did not put the focus on him. It was not a victim mentality that caused Jesus to stop and focus on Bartimaeus, but it was when Bartimaeus put the focus on the attributes of Jesus, he cried out and said, it's not about me. It's not about my blind eyes. It's not about my roadside. It's all about you, thou son of David. It's all about you, Jesus. You are the son of David. Have mercy on me it was revelation in the words of Bartimaeus because when he called upon Jesus as the son of David there was revelation he was speaking with revelation that this man named Jesus was Messiah the crowd had their eyesight but they were blind as to who Jesus was and I know the old saying says believe half of what you see and none of what you hear 
But in this case, it was Bartimaeus and what he had heard about Jesus that brought him to cry out in such a way that Jesus stood still. Because Bartimaeus said, I heard that the prophet Malachi said in Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 that the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. I heard the prophet Isaiah say of this Messiah and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God the everlasting father and the prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end he will sit upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth and forevermore I think Bartimaeus said I heard the prophet Isaiah say in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 of this son of David Messiah that his name will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. I believe Bartimaeus said, I heard that the psalmist said of this man, Jesus, who is Messiah, in chapter 2, verse 6, that he would be the king who sits upon the heel of Zion. I heard the psalmist say in Psalms chapter 110, verse 4, that this Messiah would be the priest after the order of Melchizedek. I think Bartimaeus said, I heard the psalmist declare in the 22nd Psalm that he will be mocked and ridiculed. The prophet Isaiah said of Messiah in the 53rd chapter that the son of David will be wounded for my transgression. He will be bruised for my iniquity. He will make his grave with the wicked and be buried among the rich. But I think Bartimaeus said, I also heard that the prophet Isaiah didn't end in the 53rd chapter with Messiah in the grave. Amen. But, but Isaiah went on and said in verse 10, he shall see his seed, his seed shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. What does that mean, Bartimaeus? Bartimaeus was saying this, I heard about this man, Jesus. I heard about Messiah, that yes, he will be with for my transgression yes he will suffer he will bleed and die and yes they will put his body in the grave yes they will lay him in the tomb and they will roll the stone in front of that tomb but that's not how the story ends because Messiah will suffer but he will not stay there three days later Messiah will get up This isn't about me and my blind eyes. It's about that one that the crowd is walking with right now. He's got enough power to get up out of the grave. He is the son that will rise with healing in his wings. Bartimaeus said, oh, and by the way, I heard the prophet Isaiah say in the 29th chapter and the 18th verse, and in the day of Messiah, Messiah the death shall hear and the blind shall see. Can I tell you that Bartimaeus began to cry out thou son of David. It was revelation he is Messiah and I heard that Messiah can open blind eyes. I heard Messiah would be wounded for my transgressions. I heard Messiah would arise with healing in his wings. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Somebody right now, it's not your problem that God is going to respond to. Come on, 
God, I'm in the middle of a really bad virus right now. So is the rest of the world. That's not what's going to get the attention of Messiah. It's when you begin opening up your mouth and declaring the power of the God that you serve. It's not my problem. It's your power. It's not my plight. It's your glory. It's not what I'm going through. It's what you've been through. Come on, let me tell you what's going to get Jesus to stand still. Not when you poor talk your way into a miracle. Uh, not when you convince him of how bad you got it. Uh, but when you start talking about how good he is. Uh, when you start talking about how great your God is. Then Jesus stood still. Come on, whatever you're going through. Some of you have so much eyesight, but you're blind. You're blind to the fact that you've got the greatest resource in the universe. You've been serving God your whole life, and you don't even know who it is you've got. You've been living for the Lord all your life, and you don't even know what you've got. Get your eyes off of your problem and begin talking about the power of Jesus. Hallelujah. Right now, I just want you to begin to talk about Jesus. That's what the blind man started saying, thou son of David, revelation, Messiah, mighty God. Come on, somebody, you've been trying to convince God to move on your behalf by telling him how bad you've got it. That's not what brought Jesus to a standstill. But when Bartimaeus started talking about what a mighty God he served, when he started talking about how awesome Messiah was, how much power was in the name, how much power the son of David had. Have mercy on me. Come on, somebody, have. Thou son of David, come on, you've got to get a fresh revelation of who it is that you serve. Come on, somebody, you've got to get a fresh revelation of who it is that you serve. Well, God, if I can just talk you into it by telling you how bad I've got it. That's not what caused Jesus to stand still. But it was the urgency. It was the urgency of a man who recognized this wasn't just a carpenter's son passing by. Come on, this isn't just a, pre a priest or a prophet passing by. This is Messiah. This is the one that the prophet spoke of and said he would rise with healing in his wings. This is the one that Isaiah, I heard Isaiah say it, that he would cause the blind to see. So thou son of David, have mercy on me. All across congregation and living rooms throughout this community. I just want us to ask God right now. Have mercy, Lord. Oh, great, mighty God, healer. Our great deliverer, our way maker, our source, our provision. God, I did not come today to talk you into moving in my, on my behalf because of how bad I've got it. Lord, I exalt you right now, Lord. I put my focus on the greatness of the God that I serve, Messiah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Was it not in his word? I heard somebody say that the righteous would not be forsaken. Their children would not be begging for bread. Come on, don't, don't have so much vision that you become blind. I wonder, are there any promises from the word of God that you've heard? That God said he would not leave you nor forsake you. That he said he was going to be there in your time of need. Come on, somebody stop talking about how bad your problem is. And start talking about the promise. Start talking about Messiah. Jesus, have mercy on me. The only reason I can even call on you, Jesus, is because of your mercy. 
The only reason I can even stand in your presence today is because of your mercy. I don't, I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. Oh, the crowd that still has 15 miles to go with you, perhaps. Perhaps they're good enough. Those that still have five hours left to touch you and to be in your presence, perhaps they deserve it, but I don't. I'm just a blind beggar sitting by the roadside. Come on, the only reason we have access to the presence of God is not because of how many chairs we have in a two-point-whatever-million-dollar building. If God's mercy can only move inside of a building, what kind of mercy is that? But right now, mercy is moving throughout this community. Mercy is coming in the living rooms. Mercy is moving in homes right now. And the only reason I can enter into his presence today is because he is rich in mercy. Jesus, I don't deserve it. I don't belong here in your presence. When Bartimaeus began to cry out from a posture of humility, Jesus, thou son of David, calling upon the power of God, have mercy upon me, appealing to the pity of God. I'm just a beggar. I'm just a blind man. But when Bartimaeus appealed to the might and the mercy of God, Jesus stood still. And in that moment, everything changed. The Bible says the very same crowd that was discouraging Bartimaeus, the same crowd turned to Bartimaeus. Jesus stopped, stood still and said, command him to come to me. And the same crowd that just a minute ago with hostility said, Bartimaeus, shut your mouth. They rebuked him. They attacked him with their words. But now that same crowd says, be of good comfort. Be confident. They went from telling him to be quiet to now saying, be of good comfort. And I know that we could look at that with skepticism and cynicism. We could say, yeah, that's just like people. They're fake and phony. One minute they want me to be destroyed, but then the next minute they want me to be exalted. And we can look at what just happened through cynicism or skepticism, or we can understand that is the nature of Jesus when he stops and he speaks into our situation. Everything changes when Jesus stands still. And I feel like right now in the Holy Ghost, there are people right now that there are things that you are going through in this time, your own mind, your thoughts, fears, anxiety, and worry that you have been battling. But I want to let you know, if you can just get Jesus to stand still, the very things that were opposing you are going to begin promoting you. The very things that were pressing you back are going to begin to move you forward. Come on, in the name of Jesus, I want to challenge you right now to begin to cry out on the mercies of the Lord. Begin to talk about the goodness and the power and the might of the God that we serve. As the worship team leads us right now, I want us all throughout our homes and throughout this community, I want us to begin to call upon Jesus. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.